Hey friends, I want to introduce you to Dr. K. Edward Copeland. Ed Copeland is an instructor for the Charles Simeon Trust. That's why he finds himself out here in Portland this week. And he has been my instructor in Chicago for the intense of the last couple of years. I'm thankful for Ed's ministry, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to get to know Ed a little bit. Um, Ed is the lead pastor of a church in Rockford, Illinois, called New Zion Baptist Church. He's been married for 32 years. They have three kids. He's the graduate of a number of institutions, University of Illinois, University of California, Berkeley, Golden Gate Theological Seminary, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He's a published author. He's written for uh, the Gospel Coalition. Uh, That's enough on Ed for now, because what you're going to get in this episode is get to know the preacher, get to know a little bit of his story, and I think that will help us connect more as he brings the word this coming Sunday, October 9, 2022. I know you'll be blessed and enjoy this episode. Well, Reverend Edward Copeland, uh, thank you for coming on the Disciple Hinson Show with me. Well, I'm happy to be here. Uh, can I call you Ed? Please, please do so. So thank you, too, also for coming out to Portland or planning to come to Portland. Looking to, forward to it. To do the Men's uh, Simian Trust Workshop and then to preach in our pulpit. So we're excited to have you. I've been there, what, two or three times, and I, this will be the first time I'll be able to come on a Sunday morning, so I'm really looking forward to that. We're looking forward to that, too. So what I thought we would do just with 20 or 30 minutes or so is just get to know you a little bit, like get to know your story, your background about your ministry. Um, so I know the the members of Henson will appreciate that because I think for the the guys who have done Simeon Trust, we know you. Right. But uh, the congregation as a whole, this will be a good opportunity just to hear a little bit about your story. So you just want to briefly kind of tell us where you're from, your like growing up years uh, in terms of bio. So I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. My father uh, started past, started preaching about about four or five months after I was born, he had made a deal with God uh, because he felt the call to preach before I was born, Hmm. but he uh, didn't want to do it. So he told God, if you give me a son, then I'll preach. So I'm, I don't know what collateral or what, (laughs) I don't know what, how you describe that. But anyway, a father um, was a minister. He's still alive. He ministered in Kansas City for a while. Then we moved to Elwood, Kansas, where he pastored for about five years. And since 1972, he's lived here in Illinois in a small city called Kankakee, pastored for about 38 years there. And so I came, I'm a preacher's kid, came out of a mm-hmm. Christian home, but I prayed to see, receive Christ when I was about eight years old under my father's preaching. I really was not assured of my salvation, really didn't understand that whole concept of eternal security and all those types of things till I was about 14. Mm. Strangely enough, uh, because of an encounter that happened in the city in which I now pastor, it just so happened that uh, my friends and I went to a Baptist like convention uh, Congress meeting in the city of Rockford, Illinois, where I currently pastor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm went there when we were 14 years old and somebody asked me in one of the youth classes, one of the facilitators asked, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain where you would spend eternity? And I wasn't sure, I hadn't heard that question asked that way before. Sure. And he took us through the scriptures, 
really got a handle out. I already prayed to receive Christ, but really started growing from that moment. A revival broke out in our youth group uh, to eventually there's like about 120 young people in the choir. We'd fast every Friday, go out witnessing and all those types of things. And it really impacted that city. And it still has a great impact on me today because about 20, I think last count, about 24, 25 preachers came out of that group. And me and my friends that came up together, we still fast and pray with one another to this day, even though we're scattered all across the nation. Wow. So was it at that time when you were a teenager, pretty young, that you also knew that you wanted to serve and in ministry, kind of be like your dad, following in his footsteps? I did not want to be like my dad, did not want to follow in his footsteps. Okay. I did want to, I did have a hunger and desire to study and to teach God's word. And in point of fact, like when I was 15 and about 15 or 16, I started teaching the adult Sunday school class and have been teaching. Was that common for someone so young? Oh, to? Yeah, no, it was yeah. unheard of. It okay. wasn't even, I don't even know why they allowed me to do that, but <laughs> I, I did it. And uh, God uh, used me to great of effect in that space. Hmm. So I've been teaching, but I did not want to go into the preaching ministry because my father is very serious, was very serious about it while he was doing it. Hmm. And I, I saw the work that it took to be an integral person, to be somebody hmm. who really sat under the word. And I didn't want to do that. So, so I, was it intimidating I kind of to the thought of, Yes. Going that route. It was intimidating. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't mind teaching, but I didn't want to preach because I felt if I preached, then there was a possibility he would call me to pastor. And I definitely didn't want to do that. Okay. But by mm. God's sovereign grace, um, I, I graduated from college and went to law school. And after law school, I just couldn't, mm. I couldn't resist the burden that the Lord had placed upon me to do what I'm doing full time. And so, so you were planning on going into law? Oh, I, I, I went into law. You went I, into I, law. I, fi I finished law school. I okay. came back to, I went to law school out in California, at UC Berkeley and came mm -hmm. back because my friends and I, in our youth group, we had made a pact with one another that we were all going to graduate from college. And then we were all going to come back to the city hmm. and, you know, serve in that city. The city being Kankakee, Rockford or uh, Kankakee, Illinois, oh, okay. where my okay. father was pastoring. That's right and where he still lives. Yeah. And so I came back and actually worked as a public defender and in mm. uh, a private law office, but eventually I couldn't resist the burden. I, part of the whole law school thing was I felt, well, I could serve the Lord this way. I'm helping mm. people, I'm you know, serving the poor, I'm doing all these types of things. That'll mm. satisfy God, but it didn't. And eventually I relinquished Myself to God, left the law office to my partner's uh, great chagrin and uh, went to seminary out in Mill Valley, California. At that time, Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary was still uh, operative. That's gateway, yep, yep. And went out there, finished seminary, finished, got my master's uh, of divinity, and then came back uh, to Illinois and uh, been serving since then. So last year when I was here for the intensive, we watched a YouTube clip when you came forward in a church service, uh, kind of coming forward to go into pastoral ministry. You were a young lawyer. Right. Uh, do you want to just describe, d describe that scene a little bit for us? Yes. That was, that was September of uh, 1988. Uh, 
Dr. Manuel Scott, who is a legend in uh, African-American preaching tradition, just mm. happened to be doing a revival at my father's church. He's mm. preaching a sermon, going home another way from Matthew uh, chapter, what is that, two, where the, the magi, the wise men came, they saw Jesus, and the text says they went home another way. Mm. I had been struggling, been praying, and all those types of things, and I talked to my father. So the video that you saw on mm. that evening was me coming forward to publicly acknowledge uh, the fact that I felt the Lord was calling me to the preaching ministry. So it's a precious memory that I'll never forget. And you said that was in the context of revival at your church? Yes. At Henson, we don't have a revival week, and this is somewhat kind of new to me. Ah. Can you describe what revival is in the African-American tradition? So in the African-American tradition, in that era, revival was a week-long series of services in the evening where a guest evangelist would come Mm. and preach a series of sermons. Typically, the idea was to, hence the name revival, to revive the saints, to re-energize, to reinvigorate um, a passion for Christ among the saints. But at the same time, there was an opportunity for people to invite those who did not know Christ to a service and a special emphasis would be put on evangelism. It, does your church do revival in Rockford? Do you, no, okay. that, that whole sort of uh, framework mm. uh, in a lot of places, there's still probably some places that do it, but that whole framework no longer really has uh, resonance, resonance in most communities. We do obviously have, you know, evangelistic thrusts and, right. uh, you know, evangelistic um, emphases and crusades and all that type of thing. But to have a revival where you expect people to come to church for a series of sermons, you know, consecutively within a week, that sort of has fallen out of disfavor. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's change gears just briefly, just a little bit more about you. Ed, you, you, we heard about your call to Christ and your call to ministry. Mm-hmm. What about today? Are you, do you have a family? What are some things that you do for fun? So I'm married with three children. My wife mm-hmm. and I will be celebrating our 33rd wedding anniversary in another week. Congrats. And then um, I have two sons and one daughter. My oldest and youngest are the boys, mm-hmm. 30, what, 32 years old. My oldest son, his name is uh, William Jabri, and then my daughter, his name is Abeni. She'll be twenty. She'll be twenty-five mm. uh, this year, and then my youngest one will be twenty-one. So Abeni is the girl, and my youngest son is named Titus. Um, we've been in Rockford for twenty-one years, pastoring. Mm. I'm the third pastor in ninety-eight years. Wow! <laughs> yeah, we'll ce- yeah. celebrate our centennial. 2024. Yeah. So I, um, a running joke is I got to put in at least 25 years or I had to give all the money back. So, uh, I'm satisfied with God's goodness to us there in in the city of, um, Rockford in terms of hobbies and all those types of things. I need some more hobbies. I'm getting old now. I'm a musician. So I play, what do you play? Piano and organ. Okay. And, uh, I'm most recently into gardening, so I have a, a fairly significant container garden in my backyard and a significant array of plants in my office. So I'm, I'm, 
finally developing a green thumb after years of killing innocent plants. But uh, I think those, and I love poetry and reading and all mm. those types of things, but I think those are my major sort of diversions or hobbies. And one of the things you kind of do on the side is you come here, I mean, you drive all the way down from Rockford and mm-hmm. you come help train preachers. You, you right. help guys like myself grow in our preaching uh, with Charles Simeon Trust. So how did you get connected with, uh, with Simeon Trust? That's still a mystery. Uh, Dave Helm and I talk about that all the time. We've been, it, it feels like we've been friends so long, we can't really lock in to how we met. I say hmm. is one thing, he says another thing, but however it was, we were both on the Gospel Coalition uh, Council. Council, yeah. And as the Simeon Trust was sort of getting uh, its footing, he invited me to do a workshop with his then co-pastor, Arthur Jackson, and another uh, pastor here from Chicago, and been doing it ever ever since. The Chicago course, I'm preaching, obviously, this new iteration, this new component mm-hmm. of the Simeon Trust work has been a very pleasant, um, very pleasant addition to what I feel God has called me to do. And quite frankly, I wouldn't even do it if uh, Jeremy Meeks were not the, and, and I mean, this is common knowledge. Um, when Dave was recruiting me, he said, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this that sounds like a good idea or whatever. He's like, well, I need you to move to Chicago. I'm like, I'm not moving and I'm not participating in your great idea. But when he said, well, I got Jeremy Meeks and mm-hmm. Jeremy's gonna move up from Nashville. I said, well, if you get that dude, I'll come and I'll do whatever it takes to be a part of it. And so we've been doing this now, what, two and a half years, getting ready to be on three, go on three years and God has get, I believe God has gotten the glory. I believe there's a great harvest that's going to come about as a result of the men and women that we're training. Mm. And I'm, again, satisfied with his goodness to me to allow me to be part of it. Well, I, for one, am very thankful for your, your work. And, I mean, it's been a busy day for you. I mean, you mm. must have to get up early to, <laughs> yeah. to drive down from Rockford. And you just spent, yeah. you, d- you gave a sermon this morning, <laughs> gave uh, over two hours of uh, lectures and yeah. interaction on structure and now you're you're talking to me, so really appreciate it. That's no problem. Yeah, so you do that uh, several times a month. You come down to Chicago. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, particularly right now in this season, obviously the pandemic impacted a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. So now what I do, uh, just particularly as uh, Jeremy is finishing up his doctorate, is I come down um, every other week, and for those two days, a Thursday and Friday, I'll teach everything. So he can just turn aside and concentrate on what he's doing. Sure, sure. Um, one of the things that you do, too, when you come down here is you're on the another podcast, uh, Preacher's Talk with oh, yes. uh, Simeon Trust, Nine Marks, with uh, Jeremy, Jeremy and, and Dave. Dave. Um, yeah, just uh, any thoughts on, on preaching? Um, you know, obviously, we value preaching at, right. at Henson, and we're, we're thankful to have uh, Michael preaching most of the time, but we love having brothers such as yourself you know, come in and be a, a guest preacher, but this is something you've really given your life to. Um, any, any just, this is a very wide, <laughs> this is a very broad <laughs> question because you're talking about preaching all the time, but any just like words, uh, what, maybe like just a word of, of wisdom, uh, whatever comes to your mind to like a congregation yes. that, that loves preaching and then a word to people who aspire to preach. 
so a word to the congregation that um, preaching in every tradition, whether you're verbal in your feedback or not, is dialogical in the sense that it's a dance between, and, and I'm sorry for mix, mixing metaphors, but it's a dance between the Holy Spirit as he empowers the man of God to speak the word of God, mm. but he also empowers the people of God to hear the word of God. Mm. And just like the preacher needs to prepare, the people need to prepare because we're encountering the very living God in a particular time mm. and space that we've set aside. And it does not, it, if I can say it this way, you get the greatest benefit out of the whole experience if you have done the hard work of preparing. You would think it a scandal if a preacher just came to the pulpit and said, well, hey, I'm here. Mm. And mm -hmm. you, yeah. you knew for a fact that he had not prayed, he had mm. not prepared himself, had not done anything to anticipate the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, it's even a greater scandal when uh, the preacher has prepared, has sat under the word and is uh, by his prayerful anticipation, expecting God to speak through him, but then the people have not equally prepared. So my admonition would be to take the time to prepare your hearts. Uh, usually, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Pastor Lawrence and the preaching staff preaches. Uh, matter of fact, I think the last time I went there, I saw the menu, yeah, the schedule for what was coming up. We call it sermon card. The yep. sermon card. Yep. And so the the great benefit of having a pastor and a pastor's team like that, you know what is going to be preached. So mm -hmm. go ahead and spend the time to study and to have questions. I, I think my pointed suggestion would be ask questions of the text. Expect God when you come to church to answer your questions. Mm -hmm. But if you don't come with questions, he's giving you answers that you're not ready for. Mm-hmm and answers that you will need yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that upcoming week. Right. But if you didn't prepare your heart to receive the answers, then the answers might seem, okay, that was interesting, but you don't see how they apply. Yeah. And you never make the connection. That's such a good word. I think, you know, one of the thing I, things I often think of is all too often we approach the preaching of God's word, receiving it almost as if we're, going to just turn on the TV and see yeah, what's on. Right. And we're just really kind of passive, like, yeah. you know, in listening. Um, you alluded to this uh, before we turned to like a word to preachers. You, I just I have another follow-up question. Um, you alluded to the experience of the preaching of God's word to the congregation as like dialogical. Mm -hmm. um, I would assume that in your church at Rockford, but maybe I'm wrong, there there is some as you're preaching, you're hearing actually from the congregation, some response. Exactly. Um, uh, is that, is that encouraging, helpful? I'm sure you're just used to that. Well, yes, I am used to it because I came up in that tradition, but yep. because I've through the Simeon trust and just other gospel coalition, I mean, I preach Presbyterians as well as church of God in Christ. So I'm used now to all of the benefits, all, all the benefits of each tradition but in each tradition, I still believe it's dialogical in the sense that even if the congregation is not verbally replying, mm -hmm. there is some kind of indication that whether you're connecting or not, because you're yeah. not preaching a piece of paper, you're preaching to people. That's right. And there has to be a connection there. And so the Holy Spirit makes that connection 
in a particular worship setting or a particular um, setting where the word is going forth in a whole lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think my point was that the just like the preacher has to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in terms of how to proclaim to this audience, the audience needs to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to learn how to really receive from this particular vessel. That's really helpful. And just a, just a word of preparation at Henson. When I, as a preacher, I know that I'm connecting with the congregation and they're hearing me more often than not when it's very silent. Right. I mean, you can tell in people's faces. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, every every culture, church culture, as you know, because you've preached a number of different places, is different. But, it's different. Uh, yeah. but it, it's different, but it's the same. Mm-hmm. Somehow or another, mm-hmm. you can tell if you're connecting mm-hmm. or if or if it's not even really landing anywhere. Sure, sure. Well, we look so, for, we look for, go ahead. So you, you wanted a word to the preacher. Yeah, yeah. Let me just say this. I think that uh, obviously Simeon trusts our whole thing, our whole reason to exist is to prepare uh, those who teach and preach the word to do it better. But if I had a word to the preacher for anything, it's, very, it's this, that it's very interesting that Jesus's disciples never asked him, teach us to preach or teach us how to perform miracles or teach us uh, how to refute the Pharisees. But they did ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Mm. And I think one of the underappreciated burdens of preaching is the ministry of prayer. Mm. As you're preparing, you're praying. As you're preaching, you're praying. I mean, it's this idea that we really are depending upon the Holy Spirit because even if we put the wood together and have the altar as stylish as it needs to be, if he doesn't send the fire, then it's been all for naught. Mm. And more importantly, like Ezra, we want to uh, seek the law and to study it, but so we can do it first yep. Yep. <laughs> before we proclaim to Israel his statutes mm. and judgment. We, mm. we want it to have an effect on us because, you know, one of the worst things that can happen is to have a malnourished chef or to have a um, lifeguard who is drowning. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we as proclaimers of the word want to make sure that it's having its desired effect on us because then even if our homiletical presentation is not um, what people would desire, mm-hmm. our hearts and lives will connect with them in a way mm-hmm. that still will have an eternal impact. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That, that is that is so helpful and uh, helpful to me personally. Uh, speaking of ministry of prayer, uh, we're recording this here at the end of July. Uh, so God willing, you'll be with us in October, October right. begin, early October. Uh, any ways that we can be particularly praying for you, Ed, or for your family and ministry? Anything that just comes to mind that the congregation at Henson can be praying for you? About? Yes. If you'll pray for my wife, she's going into a new season uh, of her career and uh, God is sort of giving her a new platform um, mm. by which to uh, serve. Mm. So I would solicit the congregation's prayer for my wife as well as for my children as each one of them tries to find their place um, 
and move forward by God's grace in their own purpose. Sure. And then finally, for me, it's just a season in the church as we've as we're coming out of the pandemic of just restructuring and reorganizing our way ourself in ways that will be more impactful as it relates to evangelism and discipleship and what that really means in our context. So prayer for wisdom for me and mm. prayer for just God's continued favor for my family. Yeah, it'd be a privilege to pray for those things. Ed, thank you so much. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing everybody face to face. Now, when you all see me, don't act like you don't know me. I'm giving the whole thing now. So just come up and greet me as your brother in Christ. Yeah, that sounds good. We look forward to that.